It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Getting you ready for the day in sports betting. This is Point Spread Sunday on VSEN, the sports betting network. Welcome back into Point Spread Sunday here on VSEN, the sports betting network. I'm Mark Zinno. Give me a follow on Twitter at Mark Zinno, M A R K Z I N N O. Hour number two of the program coming up. We're going to get into NBA as well. Big slate of NBA games today. Uh, and you're going to get Kyrie Irving making his home debut today in Brooklyn uh, as the Nets welcome the Charlotte Hornets of town after Brooklyn pasted Miami last night uh, and Brooklyn will be on a back-to-back and uh, it's going to be a home debut for uh, Kyrie Irving. And I can't wait to watch the public load up on Brooklyn uh, and, and the Hornets to cover that number. So a little preview of where I'm going <laughs> in that game coming up, but nonetheless, uh, we will get to the NBA slate coming up. Of course, Ian McMillan going to join us as we look back or look forward rather to the college basketball games tonight, Miami and Kansas in the early game uh, of the elite eight to close it out. And then UNC and St. Peter's uh, in the late one, of course, Duke and Villanova punched their tickets to the final four um, and Duke will get the winner of UNC St. Peter's. And it'll be Villanova awaiting the winner of Kansas and Miami. As I've said earlier, I am hoping for Duke UNC, Kansas Villanova in the final four. I think that is fantastic theater. I think it's great television. Uh, no disrespect to St. Peter's, but uh, or Miami for that matter. But a St. Peter's Miami final makes me want to vomit like that. There's just nothing exciting about that to me. Uh, I know that there's a contingent of folks out there who love St. Peter's and love the 15 seed getting all the way through and. Uh, having this magic run, and it's great. It's it's fun to watch. I'm not saying that it isn't, uh, 
but I just think the brand of basketball uh, for me to watch is better when I get the powerhouse programs in it. Uh, and, and oh, by the way, you know, the, the St. Peter's thing um, affects college football. And you may be saying, well, how does that work out? Because there is this notion that, you know, we should expand the college football playoff because you can get something similar to a St. Peter's, to a Loyola Chicago, to a George Mason, a VCU, whatever it is, uh, in the college football playoff. And in theory, I guess you can. But taking the number, you know, 12 team in the nation and asking them to go out and win four straight football games, yes, could it happen? I'm sure it could. If you if if you do enough iterations of it, somebody will break through. Uh, and, and, and people love that chance and that opportunity. I'm fine with the college football playoff being at four. I have no reason to to try to push it into anything else. Uh, but it, it is this notion that the little guy can compete with the big guys. And that's the reason why people want expansion and more teams in the field and everything else, because the slim probability and, and people tell you, well, it's not that slim. No, it is slim. Right? Just because you had Oral Roberts and St. Peter's in back-to-back -back years uh, and, and Florida Gulf Coast within the last decade, the amount of times that's going to happen statistically is still very, very slim. So, uh, again, I, I'm not for that, but <clears throat> you can say I'm the get-off-your-lawn guy, and I'll have to live with it. Knock yourself out. All right, uh, on to Major League Baseball here as we get set uh, season a little bit more than a week away. Uh, we'll take a look at some of the futures here uh, for the pennants for each of the respective uh, uh, leagues, and uh, we'll take a look at some futures for some of the individual awards. Starting the American League, you see as the uh, the Houston Astros sit at the top as the favorite to win the AL, uh, tied with the Blue Jays at plus 450. Uh, Yankees come in as the second favorite at plus 475. Now, again, I... <laughs> I'm not sure what the allure is to the Blue Jays. Uh, I, I I like their team. I think they're talented. They certainly have pitching. Um, there's no reason not to think that they will be competitive this year. But still, the AL East is a little bit of a slugfest. Save the Baltimore Orioles. You're looking at four teams that are going to be incredibly competitive. Uh, and I'm not back as a Yankee fan. I'm not backing the Yankees either. I don't think that they have. I don't think they made enough moves in the offseason. I don't know if they have the, the the pitching. I don't know if they have enough hitting um, to be able to get through the American League East. But I wouldn't back either the Blue Jays or the Yankees to win the American League. The team that would really get my money more than anybody is the White Sox at this point. You know that they have the pitching to do it. They certainly have the bats in the lineup. Um, at five to one, I think you're in a great spot. You know, I, I mean, the Rays and the Red Sox, as I said, like, I love the value that I'm getting for both those teams, particularly the Rays, who continue, and I mean continue, um, to surprise people with how they are uh, able to work their way through and get to the postseason, given that they have a payroll that, you know, sits in the bottom three of the league, uh, but yet somehow Kevin Cash and company know what to do and know how to get them uh, to, to win enough games to win the AL East. But uh, I love the value that I'm getting with both those teams, but I just, it's hard for me to back anybody in the American League East because it's such a slugfest. And, and I, I don't have, I can't eliminate enough variance to believe that one team is over the other. Um, when it comes to the AL Central, you know Cleveland is the pitching. Do they have the hitting? I think that's that's a fair question. Uh, Minnesota made some incredible moves. They get Carlos Correa. Is that enough to push them over the top? I, I don't know. Um, Minnesota can hit. I don't know how well they're going to be able to pitch, although their bullpen is pretty strong. But I like the White Sox at 5-1. to one. I mean, that's where I would put my money. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't know that anybody else really gets it. Uh, theoretically, could the Mariners at 18-1 to one do it? Yeah, they may win. The AL West, I, I would I would give them my money to win the AL West, given uh, the team that they have and the amount of improvements that they've made. Uh, but again, you're talking about them 
not only winning their division, but going through a new playoff series, a new playoff format, I should say, uh, to win the American League. Not sure if they have the depth to do that there. So uh, the White Sox would be the place where I would put my money at five to one. I think you're getting a good return on your investment for a team that um, that has all the all the parts that you want to be able to go out and win an American League pennant. Over to the National League, uh, you see the Dodgers is the favorite. And, oh, by the way, manager Dave Roberts said that they are winning the World Series, so I guess we should all just not play the season. Um, I kid, but nonetheless, uh, I, I appreciate it when managers go out on a limb like that. See the Braves and Mets at plus 500. <clears throat> Excuse me, can't kill my throat here. Brewers at 700. Padres at 50 and Phillies at 12 to 1. The NL East is also going to be as competitive as the AL East. Um, and, and a lot of people are favoring the Mets uh, and sort of shunning the Braves, because uh, they lose Freddie Freeman. Where does he go? He goes to the Dodgers, and I get that. Um, and the Dodgers are going to be just incredibly loaded. That said, um, the fact that the Braves' price hasn't dropped more, to me, says to me that odds makers know how good that team is uh, and their pitching is. And, again, I cover them here in Atlanta. Not a Braves fan. but uh, And I say that because I'm, I'm telling you objectively why I would back them. Remember, they did all that last year without Ronald Acuna. And Ronald Acuna may be still the best player in baseball right now. If he's healthy and Ronald Acuna can stay healthy for a full 162 games, um, that offense and that lineup is going to be really, really good. They're going to rake. Uh, the Braves are going to hit the heck out of the baseball. And don't forget, they're getting Marcelo Zuna back, who missed all of last year with the alleged domestic violence and everything else that he went through, didn't play at all. Um, he's going to be back in their lineup this year. That's going to be a stacked lineup for the Braves. If they're healthy, they're going to hit and they're going to score even without Freddie Freeman in the lineup. I still look to the Padres um, as the National League winner. I think when it comes to division foes, yes, the Dodgers are probably going to win the division uh, and they'll do so rather easily. But when you get to the postseason, division winners uh, or division opponents are sort of a coin flip. It's Yankees, Red Sox. Didn't matter when the division it was a coin flip in the postseason. You know, again, Giants, Dodgers. It, it, it's always a coin flip between those two teams, whether it's Cardinals, Cubs, it, it, it it, th those are sort of coin flip series. And the Padres, I think, after last year, and again, Fernando Tatis being healthy is a huge part of this. Uh, his health would be a major concern uh, whether you can back them or not. But, uh, again, that said, um, I like the value that I get with the Padres at plus 850. That team played worse last year but didn't get worse, if that makes any sense. Um, that's kind of the way I'm, I, I handicap them. Again, uh, they're good enough. They're talented enough to be in the conversation, uh, more than in the conversation, good enough and talented enough to win the National League. It's just a question of uh, what happens over 162 games. All right, looking at some individuals um, and individual awards here, American League, Cy Young, Garrett Cole at the top, Shane Bieber, Robbie, Robbie Ray. Uh, I give my money to Lucas Giolito, again, as somebody who's back in the White Sox, you know, at 11 to 1. I love the value that I'm getting there. Part of this is, and we've gotten away from this in voting for the Cy Young, where the team has to be really good or their record has to be really good, but it always helps. If you're going to win 95 games uh, and your ace is going to go out there and win 18, 19, 20 of them, that makes your case for Cy Young that much easier. Uh, I get the 14 and 13 year with Felix Hernandez or Zach Greinke or whatever it is and the ERA that's in the low twos. But still, uh, a 20-win season is is the easiest way to go. And I think Giolito has a great chance to go out and get one of those. Uh, on to the National League, Cy Young is running a little bit out of time here. Um, Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer at the top, Corbin Burns, Walker Bueller at plus 950. I mean, again, using that same philosophy, why wouldn't I back Walker Bueller uh, on a Dodgers team that's likely going to win 105, maybe 110 games, um, given where they are? Um, you know, again, it, it's, it's very much a scenario where uh, the best team gives – 
some of these guys the best opportunity um, to win these postseason awards. Right, wrong, or indifferent, that's just kind of the way uh, it shakes out. On to the MVP awards real quick here. American League MVP, Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, Vlad Guerrero Jr. I blacked Vlad Guerrero Jr. last year at 12-1. to uh, and had it not been for Otani uh, having the year that he had both on the mound and at the plate, uh, I think Vlad Guerrero Jr. would have won it. Vlad Guerrero Jr. should be in competition for a Triple Crown year again. I put my money on him right now. I don't see those numbers actually getting longer. They'll, they'll only get shorter as he has a better year. Will the voters turn around and uh, – Look at Otani. He's like, okay, we already gave it to him. We're going to do that NBA thing where we already gave it to him. We don't need to give it to him again. Let's give it to somebody else kind of deal when they go to vote. Uh, I don't know that Major League Baseball is as provincial as, as the NBA when it comes to that. So um, I still like Vlad Guerrero, excuse me, to uh, to do it. And then look at the NL real quick. Juan Soto, Ronald Acuna Jr., Bryce Harper, Mookie Betts. Uh, Ronald Acuna would get my money. Still think he's the best player uh, in the National League. So there you go. That's the uh, the the quick rundown of of uh, Major League Baseball. When we come back. Uh, we will turn our attention to the NBA. Big NBA slate coming up today. A lot of important games, uh, both out west and in the Eastern Conference. We'll break them all down next. I'm Mark Zeno. Thank you for watching and listening to Point Spread Sunday here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Don't forget, getting back into college basketball, Ian McMillan going to join us for the end of this hour. Stay with us here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr. And I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. 
And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Point Spread Sunday on VSEN, the sports betting network. Welcome back. This segment of Point Spread Sunday brought to you by Zinn Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, and no batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like Spearmint, Wintergreen, Citrus, and many, many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zinn is America's number one nicotine pouch. They're available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zinn. So head on over to Zinn.com slash find to locate a store near you. That's ZYN.com slash find. Welcome back in to Point Spread Saturday. I'm Mark Zinno. Follow me on Twitter at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Coming up before the end of the show, I will give you all of my picks for today, including two of them on the ice Coming up this afternoon, Ian McMillan will join us as we look at the two games in the Elite Eight to get us to the Final Four coming up later on this evening after we get Duke and Villanova both advancing into the Final Four last night and cutting down the nets in each of their respective regions. And congrats to Coach K as he's in his final farewell tour, and we'll see how long it continues 
for at least one more game, uh, hopefully ending for him in a national championship. I mean, it, look, it's fair and it's fitting to say uh, that uh, Coach K would, would be one of those guys who deserves to go out on top, even though the world hates Duke and justifiably so. They're kind of annoying at times. All right. Uh, from college to the pros, uh, we'll take a look at uh, a big NBA slate today. Some really interesting games. I'm going to try to run through as many as I can here um, and tell you what side that I like in all of the games. We'll start with Minnesota and Boston. Celtics laying six at home uh, and a, a 227 total. Uh, you're looking at a case here of uh, Minnesota, number one offense in the league, Boston, number one defense in the league. Um, this feels like too many points here for Boston to be laying. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, both probable. Looks like they're going to play. May not be 100%, but Minnesota 20-17 and 17 against the spread on the road this year. And Boston just 16-19-2 and two against the number at home. Minnesota's gone 10-4 and four over the last 14 against the number. This is one of those games where you don't see this often in the NBA, but usually, you know, the, the team that cover, that wins usually covers. This is a spot where you get the Celtics probably to win this thing. Um, but the T-Wolves cover and keep it close. It'll be interesting to see how the Celtics defense slows down this high-scoring Timberwolves team that routinely can get into the 120s. Uh, and again, I think this is a little bit of a, of a lower number than I would have expected. But you're gonna you're asking at that total, you're asking Boston to keep Minnesota below 120, which again it, it, it is an incredibly tall order. But if Boston's going to win this game, they're going to have to keep Minnesota below 110, which is incredibly tough to do. Uh, for an offense like the Timberwolves here. So I'd back the T-Wolves getting the six points. Uh, next game, East versus West. Uh, best in the East versus the best in the West, or one of the best in the East. Philadelphia at Phoenix. Uh, number here, uh, Phoenix laying five at a total of 229. Tough to pick a side on this one. You know, I, I don't think there's a motivation question for Phoenix, even though that they've locked everything up they need to lock up. Number one seed in the West, number one overall record. Uh, so, you know, they are basically playing out the rest of the string here. Doesn't mean anything. They've still won seven straight. They scored 125 in each of those seven games. Um, and, and Philadelphia, um, their offense, obviously, with James Harden, has looked a lot different. I'm taking the over in this game at 229. Uh, and I know it's a little bit of a depressed total because Philadelphia's defense is really good. And this is a higher number than what Philly normally sees because of their defense. Uh, usually their totals are set in, in the low 220s, uh, if not the high two teens in that range. The impact that Harden has on this offense for Philadelphia is huge, but also the impact that Harden has on their defense for Philadelphia is huge, meaning he doesn't play any. <laughs> so Philadelphia should be, I'm sorry, Phoenix rather, should be able to get to 120 in this game. And I think they will. Um, and, and this is a spot here where 120 to 110 gets me home on either side. Uh, I don't, again, I don't see Phoenix laying down and not really caring. They sort of enjoy these matchups here. You know, Devin Booker's coming off a huge night. I expect him to continue to uh, to play well. Philadelphia, four of their last six have gone over. Uh, Phoenix, seven of their last eight have gone over. So I'm going to take the over 229 here uh, in this game and look for a lot of scoring, which should be a really fun uh, contest. As long as James Harden has a good night and a good game, you know, again, he's not going to go uh, three for 12 from the field and, you know, one from nine from for, from three. If he has one of those shooting days, it's going to be a long day for um, it's going to be a long day for Philadelphia in the game. But nonetheless, you know, again, I, I think the over is the way to go in this game. Uh, Charlotte and Brooklyn. Uh, the Nets coming off a back-to-back, -back, or on a back-to-back, -back, rather, after they pasted the Miami Heat last night. Uh, this is a number here that's now up to minus 7 for Brooklyn and a total of 238. 
there's no way you can bet the under in this game. It's over or nothing, given these two teams and the way they can score. Uh, Charlotte is one of the highest scoring teams in the league. But I got to tell you, I, I think this number is slightly inflated, given one again, what Brooklyn just did to Miami last night. And I think that says more about the condition that Miami is in than anything else. I think it says more about where Miami is and the struggles that they are dealing with than necessarily uh, Brooklyn figuring this out and putting it all together at this point in time. So uh, I'm getting a Charlotte team that can score against a bad, bad Nets defense. Nets have been giving up about 119 points a game over their last 10 games. Uh, they have not been good defensively. This is too many points for Brooklyn to be laying in this spot. Coming off a win on the road last night, they're going back home. It's Kyrie Irving's debut at the Barclays Center this year. Going to be a jazz environment, and I think the public is going to try to pounce all over the Nets here, and I'll gladly sit on the other side of this thing uh, and see where it is. I want to wait to get to the window just to wait and see how the money plays out and where, um, you know, the public is going in this game. And if they're they're 65% on Brooklyn, like I think they'll be, uh, this is an easy back for Charlotte here. Their offense, and again, Charlotte needs this game. Remember where this game is in the Eastern Conference. Both of these teams in that playing spot right now between the 7 and 10 seeds. This is an important game for Charlotte. Uh, and they've been one of the best cover teams in the league this year for a reason. The Nets have been one of the worst cover teams in the league this year. Part of that is because Kyrie Irving hasn't been able to play at home. He's going to be playing at home in this game. But I expect high scoring. Wouldn't touch the under. I'm going to stay off the total. I am going to back Charlotte here getting seven points. And I expect this line to continue to move. So wait. Um, and Charlotte's healthy, 100% healthy. They have no injury issues whatsoever. Uh, other than Gordon Hayward has been out forever, but no new injury issues to deal with. So uh, I think this number will continue to move. I'd wait closer to tip off to do it, but I'm going to back Charlotte here as one of my plays today uh, in this game. I think this number gets a seven and a half, maybe even eight when it comes to tip off big game out West tonight between the jazz and the Mavericks in Dallas, both these teams identical 45 and 29 records tied for the fourth seed in the West. This is a game that has potential playoff seating implications, home court advantage implications on the line between these two teams. Uh, again, the Mavericks, another one of these teams, are the, one of the best cover teams in the league this year. That is not the case for Utah. They've been one of the worst cover teams. They're just 5-10 and 10 against the number in their last 15 contests. Uh, and this is a Mavericks defense that right behind Boston, statistically, as a number two defense in the league. Uh, this game could come down to the three-point line for me. Utah, number seven in the NBA in three-point shooting and three-point shooting percentage. Dallas second in three-point field goal percentage defense. Um, Dallas is 31-17 and 17 against the number against Western Conference opponents, where the Jazz are just 15-21 and 21 against the spread against the Western Conference. This is a Luka Doncic show uh, as he continues to make his MVP case. The guy who's got, you know, 27, 28, 9, and 8 uh, are his numbers. He's been absolutely phenomenal this year. Uh, but don't forget about Spencer Dinwiddie. For Dallas, averaging 18 points per game, shooting over 45% from the field in his last 10. A great complimentary scorer here uh, to Luka. This is the kind of environment in this game where I think you get a uh, a playoff-type atmosphere where you get a game where defense is going to be paramount that immensely favors Dallas uh, in this spot. It's a enough number for me to back the Mavericks here against the Jazz uh, and lay the points at home. So I'm taking Dallas minus two. Uh, one more final game that I'll get to here real quick. Uh, the Knicks and the Pistons um, at uh, at Madison Square Garden. Um, no, is this game on the road? Let me double check. Uh, I forget where it is, but nonetheless, let me just – it is Detroit. Thank you. Um, the Knicks get this win against Miami 
uh, in Miami the other night, and uh, they're facing their playoff lives are on the line here. Uh, the Knicks have to win. They're five games behind the Hawks for the final playoff spot, and uh, there's less than 10 games to play, so they can't afford to drop another loss. Unfortunately for the Knicks, there's no reason they should be laying five points in this spot. Uh, again, they probably beat a Miami team that they shouldn't have. Again, saying more about Miami and where they are right now than necessarily the Knicks. And they did that game without Julius Randle uh, and Nerlens Noel. Don't know their status 100% yet. They didn't play um, in that game against the Heat. They're not. Doesn't look like they play right now. Again, either um, even though Detroit's going to be without Jeremy Grant, Detroit has been one of the best cover teams in the league this year. Too many points for the Knicks to be laying. Uh, this is a huge letdown spot for them after the win in Miami. I'm going to back the Pistons getting the five points. So that takes care of the NBA slate uh, for this afternoon into the evening. Coming up next, we'll get back to the NCAA tournament, the Elite Eight between UNC St. Peter's and Miami and Kansas. Ian McMillan will join us. We'll break down those games for you coming up next. I'm Mark Zinno. Thank you for watching and listening to Point Spread Sunday here on VEASAN, the sports betting network. College basketball coming up next. Stay with us. Plenty more to come here on Point Spread Sunday. for a share of $40,000 this March with Xfinity Unbeatable Power Picks. Connect to cash with winning picks against the spread in eight free-to-play pools and compete for your share of $5,000 per pool. Head to DraftKings.com slash Xfinity Power Picks. Again, DraftKings.com slash Xfinity Power Picks now to join the action. Xfinity, stream basketball and more basketball with speeds faster than a gig. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Welcome back in to Point Spread Sunday. I'm Mark Zinno. Follow me on Twitter at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O, as we uh, turn our attention back to the NCAA tournament and uh, recapping last night's game between uh, Duke and Arkansas, as well as Villanova and Houston. Uh, and Villanova moves on, and a lot of the public was on Houston. Uh, I, I feel like I was one of the few people who was on a silent island yesterday backing Villanova, um, getting was initially two points, but it, it also had moved. Um, it, you know, I gave out Villanova plus two on the show. I waited actually to get to the window because by the end of the show yesterday, it was at two and a half on point spread Saturday, and I knew it was going to move to three as the public continued to hammer Houston. And I felt like it was a little bit of Villanova Island for some of us, but uh, we were, we were on the right side and Villanova played the game. I think that they wanted to play and you know, the handicap we gave out yesterday sort of unfolded exactly the way that we had predicted the game in the first half was very similar to the Houston, Illinois game. It sort of played out that way. It was very slow. It was very ugly. Neither team was shooting all that well. Uh, and that's the style that, that favored Villanova the entire way. And if Villanova's, got, by the way, going to win a national title, uh, they're going to have to do it against really high-powered offenses. Houston was one of them. It's either Miami or Kansas on their side of the bracket. And either Duke or UNC, and, you know, I don't want to count out St. Peter's, but you get the point. 
uh, if it's if Duke or UNC, these are all high-level, high-scoring, good shooting offenses. So this Villanova defense has proven time and time again that they can shut down the best offenses in the country, and they're going to need to do it two more times uh, if they would like to to call themselves national champions. So it's going to be very, very tough for uh, the Villanova Wildcats, but they did a great job yesterday. And a lot of people will point to Houston's failures yesterday as – their free throw shooting and one of 20 from three point land. And, and yeah, I get it. Those are bad numbers. Uh, and, and that's part of the reason they lost. But the one thing that they didn't do yesterday that I thought they were going to do uh, and have a huge advantage was on the glass. Uh, Houston was one of the best rebound teams in the country and they did not take advantage of a smaller, um, you know, not good rebounding team as Villanova. Uh, and, and, that, I think, was the biggest part of their detriment. They missed opportunities to get points in the paint. They missed second-chance points because they couldn't rebound as well as they normally do. Villanova had as many rebounds in the game as Houston did, and that's part of the reason why uh, Villanova was able to keep that game in control and in, in their favor. Uh, again, going one for 20 for three, you're not going to win many games going one of 20 from three. I, I get it. Uh, and, and the free-throw shooting was was paramount. We said that going into game, the game yesterday. And part of the reason why I backed Villanova was because of their free-throw shooting is they went a perfect 15 of 15 from the line. I, and that's a big reason why they won the game. It certainly was a, a difference in it because, again, in, in a game that was a six-point game, if they're not 15 for 15, if they're less than that, the outcome of that game could look a lot different. So uh, congrats to Villanova. They move on. Uh, again, Houston was sort of exposed in two areas. Uh, one of them being the free throw shooting and the other one being the three point shooting. Uh, Houston was not a good free throw shooting team all year long, just 66%. Uh, and you watch their guys miss the front ends of one on one. You watch, you know, balls clank out and everything else. And it, it just uh, it ended up coming back to bite them uh, in the reason that they lost. In the other game, Arkansas and Duke, uh, we had Duke in the first half minus. And uh, we also had Duke in the game. They played an outstanding game overall. Uh, just they shot incredibly well. Their size, their athleticism was fantastic. And it certainly is, uh, they looked like a team that was ready to win a national title. You know, they, they looked as complete as a team as they could be. Their defenses finally showed up. Uh, that was the big problem for them heading into this tournament. A lot of the reason why a lot of people faded them was their defense. I was one of those people screaming about it. Uh, and even the game against Michigan State, you know, you could have argued they could have lost that game and should have lost that game for a team that they allowed to shoot 50% from three in that game. And so they survive, advance, but their defense has played well uh, in, in their last two games since then. So it's going to be uh, interesting to watch. Uh, Duke and and I, I guarantee you they're hoping for for UNC as opposed to St. Peter's. Uh, and, and joining us now to discuss the two games coming up today is Ian McMillan. Uh, we do have Ian, Matt, right? We we have him on the line with us. Okay, let's welcome in Ian McMillan as we get set for the rest of the Elite Eight. Ian, uh, St. Peter's, are you on this train that you think it's going to continue, or do you have enough guts and stomach to lay the eight points with UNC? Yeah, listen, I've faded St. Peter's the first three rounds. At this point, I think I'm just going to have fun and, and start riding the Peacock train here. So uh, I'm going to back them in the points today. But, I mean, because I faded them the first three rounds and they and they obviously covered and they won, uh, maybe the opposite's going to happen today. Maybe I'm bad luck. But, I mean, at this point in the tournament, you have to just kind of back them. It, it's too fun not to. No, it is. But, again, I think there's a, there's a couple of things worth noting that – you know, St. Peter's free throw shooting on the year was just around 70 percent. They've been shooting over 82 percent for the tournament. They're going to get out rebounded again. Uh, Armando Baycott yeah. should have another huge game. If I am Hubert Davis, 
I am just going to have the patience to feed Baycott inside. This is a St. Peter's team that fouls way too much, one of the highest fouling teams in America. Uh, and I would take advantage of that more than anything and not get out of a game plan that I think is is successful enough to beat them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the St. Peter's is, is relying what has been uh, their strength all season, which is their defense. So um, is a team with this good of a defense that has been able to shut down some high-powered offenses like Kentucky, like Purdue, uh, is UNC going to be able to completely run away from them and, and, and cover the spread? Uh, that, that brings up a decent question as well, because like I said, they've been relying on that strength of their defense uh, throughout this tournament, and, it, and it's, it's worked for them so far. You know, when you talk about uh, the game script that St. Peter's has been successful with, obviously it's slowing things down. It is more defensive. Uh, UNC has won their three games by pushing the pace, scoring fast, and even against a very competent defense like Baylor. You know, they just they got out to a huge lead. Now, granted, they blew it, but uh, ended up winning in overtime. But uh, is how does UNC keep that pace against this this St. Peter's team that has been so good at grinding teams down? I think a big part of their game plan has to be relying on Brady Manick. I mean, I don't think this this guy's been talked about enough throughout this tournament. Uh, if you remember, that's what happened when they blew that lead to Baylor. They were up, what, 20 points? And then Brady Manick uh, got ejected because of that flagrant foul. And then that's kind of what sparked the comeback. So uh, Manick has, has, has quietly been the backbone of this UNC offense. So... Uh, I think if they're going to kind of run away with it against St. Peter's, they have to feed him. He's a versatile guy. He can shoot the three. He can, you know, uh, pound it down low. Uh, he's going to be the key to their offense if they if they want to run away with it. Let's flip over to the other contest between Miami and Kansas. Uh, I'm on the over in this game, but you know, I, I wonder who the faster pace favors. Uh, is it better for Miami mm -hmm. or is it better for Kansas? That's a great question. I. I I think it is a little bit better for Miami. I, I think the faster pace might might throw Kansas off their game a little bit. Uh, Miami, sneaky good shooting team, man. They, they, I think they can hang with Kansas almost based on their shooting alone. And they have been all season. Top 25 in effective field goal percentage uh, in the country. And if they can kind of push that pace a little bit, that might throw Kansas off the game plan. Uh, Miami is a huge disadvantage on the boards in this game, uh, 334th in America in rebounding. Yeah. Uh, and in this tournament so far, through the three games, Kansas is averaging just under 45 rebounds a game. Miami is averaging just 33. That discrepancy is huge. Um, but Miami is, is making shots, uh, and sometimes that's the ultimate elixir for anything else that's, that's going wrong. How does Kansas take advantage on the boards and make it work for them? Yeah, they have to kind of try. Not only uh, are they, you know, really good in the rebounding department, but they have to kind of pound this Miami team down low because the other weakness is Miami's two point uh, opponent two point field goal percentage. Uh, not great interior defense. Luckily for Kansas, that does kind of play into their hands. I will say the other thing that Miami does well. Uh, and a big reason why they've been able to win these games, especially against USC, because in the opening round, they got over, over, over rebounded a ton against USC. Miami doesn't turn over the ball. If Miami wants to keep this game close and have a chance, they need to continue to do that, not turn over the ball, hang on to it, no bad turnovers. Uh, and if they can do that, that that's going to kind of balance out getting out rebounded a little bit. And they're also averaging 11 steals per game in the tournament, doing a good job of taking it away. One last note here. Miami's shooting just 23% from three. Uh, got about 30 seconds left. If I'm Kansas, I dare them in the opening of this game to shoot three-pointers. I would stuff the middle and force them to shoot from outside and see if they can make it. Yeah, that's exactly what you have to do. Yeah, Miami, very good interior offense, very good two-point shot uh, field goal percentage, but terrible uh, from beyond the arc. So if Kansas can really tighten up that interior defense, they have a good shot to win this. Uh, Ian, uh, favorite bets for today? You have anything? 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back both underdogs. I think it's going to be close. I mean, it's March Madness for a reason. I hope these games kind of come down to the wire. So, uh, like I said, at this point, I'm just going to ride the Peacocks just for kind of the fun of it, just for the thrill of it. So I'm going to take both St. Peter's and Miami getting the points today and hope for the best. Good luck. Uh, we appreciate you stopping by with us. Again, Ian McMillan, Betside Senior Editor, Bacon Bets Podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Enjoy the game. Thank you very much, my friend. Best of luck with your bets. All right. Uh, speaking of my bets, I'll give you my official picks for today. Coming up next as we wrap things up here on Point Spread Sunday, we follow on Twitter at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Thanks for watching and listening to VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr. And I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. 
basically everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Point Spread Sunday on VSEN, the sports betting network. The KFC Chicken Sandwich is served hot and straight from the fire. That's why it's finger-licking good. Make sure you order the KFC Chicken Sandwich today. Welcome back in to the final segment here of Point Spread Sunday. I'm Mark Zinno. Once again, follow me on Twitter at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Final segment of the program, as we always do. I'll run down my full slate of picks for the day, uh, including two of them on the ice later on today. But we start with... The two games in the NCAA tournament in the Elite Eight. Uh, as I told you, I am going to back UNC here and lay the eight points. I'm doing it hesitantly. You know, if you could put an emoji up on the screen of that, you know, green, nauseous face, uh, that's where it is right now with UNC for me. I, again, I told you earlier, metrically, there's nothing about these two teams um, that you can even dive into other than, than St. Peter's having a top 20 defense all year long and points allowed and UNC having a top 20 scoring offense all year long. There's, there's nothing comparatively about this team metrically that leads you to believe that UNC won't kick their ass. So like it just, just They dominate in every other category. Uh, they're a physically bigger team. They're more athletic, uh, everything about it. But stepping in front of the St. Peter's train at this point in time, you do so at your own risk. And I'm willing to do it because of two reasons. One, Armando Baycott uh, and what he's done. As I said, if Hubert Davis is smart, he feeds him inside and allows him to continue to score uh, and create problems, mismatch problems inside. You know, Purdue tried this with uh, with Zach Eady, and Eady had an awful game. I don't think Armando Baycott's going to have an awful game. This is the guy who's had 17 and 10, 15 and 16, 14 and 15 in three games in the tournament. Um, they, UNC is going to out-rebound uh, St. Peter's in this game by, by a considerable margin. Uh, much like Purdue out-rebounded St. Peter's 37 to 26. The problem was Purdue turned the ball over 15 times. St. Peter's only did it eight, and that was enough to get St. Peter's a win in this game. Uh, also, St. Peter's free throws going to be a problem, or at least that's what I'm predicting. They're a 70% free throw shooting team on the season. In the tournament, they shot 82%. That is not characteristic of them, much like we saw with Houston. Uh, their free throws exposed them. I think that's the case here for 
the St. Peter's Peacocks that their free throw shooting may get exposed in this game as well. So I'm going to back UNC uh, because uh, of that and just the fact that they're going to be more athletic and they are absolutely going to have a, a, a better day on the boards. It's a lot of points. And I'm going against the public here once again, but I think the run here ends for St. Peter's. So give me UNC minus eight. Uh, Miami and Kansas, really tough to figure out the side here. I think Kansas is probably the better team. I know Kansas is the better team, but I think they can cover this number. But it's just a little bit thick for me for, for them to have to do it. They couldn't do a six against Providence, but most of that's because Providence defense is great. I don't think Miami's defense is anywhere near as good as Providence's, but Miami can score and they can keep this thing close. And as long as they continue to push the pace, uh, I think the over comes in. Uh, I have two high scoring teams. I'm not going to try to fight it. Uh, I don't look for reasons to find the under. Uh, I think if Miami can get out and get a lead, and actually that's what I'm hoping for, it'll force Kansas to continue to score at a higher rate than normal, or at least at a higher rate of what we're used to seeing. Both these teams can get into the 70s, the mid-70s easily. I think that's where this thing goes. If they come out and they're missing shots early on, and I'm on the wrong side of this because they're missing shots, you know, it, what, what can you do? You know, it, it, it's the one thing about basketball when you handicap it. Shots don't go. They just don't go. Uh, and, and these are two teams that routinely make shots when it comes to the numbers that they've posted all season long. So I can back them to do so here. Again, no play on the side for me, but I will take the over 147 uh, in this in this game. And again, full disclosure, both of these are probably half unit plays for me. It's not going to be a lot. After a 4-0 day yesterday, I'm not about to push the envelope on this thing and try to force um, more things down. I, I have confidence in both of these plays, but They'll be probably smaller plays than normal, given uh, we had a net positive, a big net positive yesterday. On to the NBA, uh, just a couple of plays here for me uh, in this one. Philadelphia and Phoenix uh, over 229. Uh, I expect that this game will be incredibly high scoring. Philadelphia has gone over the total in four of their last six. Uh, Phoenix has gone over the total in seven of the last eight. In fact, Phoenix has won seven in a row. They haven't scored less than 125 in any of those seven games. James Harden, as long as he has a good game, should get Philadelphia to 115 in this spot here. Uh, again, Phoenix laying five. I think both these teams could get to 120 in this game. Harden has a profound effect on the Philadelphia offense, also has a profound effect on the defense, and he doesn't play any. As I told you, Phoenix got to 125 in each of their last seven games. They should get to 120 here in this one. If they do, 120 to 110 gets me home, uh, and, and there's no reason to believe that Philadelphia can't get to 110 as long as Harden doesn't have an awful shooting night. He's not 3 of 12 from, from the field and 1 of 9 from 3. If he can get to 25 points in this game, Harden, I feel like we're going to be okay as far as the team total getting above 110 into the 115 range enough that it's going to push this total over. So give me over 229 between Philadelphia and Phoenix. And then I'm going to back the Charlotte Hornets here in what feels like a little bit of a letdown spot and an inflated number. You got Brooklyn on a back-to-back -back after a win in Miami last night where they pasted the heat. I think it says a lot more about the Heat who are in trouble right now. They are not playing well. But you get Kyrie Irving coming home for this huge debut at the Barclays Center. Feels like the place is going to be juiced. My guess is the public is going to be all over the Nets on this one. I expect this number. haven't gotten to the window yet, but I expect this number to continue to go up. This might go to 7.5, maybe even 8 by the time this thing tips off. Uh, as we go throughout the day here. Uh, but still, I, I don't see it. I, I'd be shocked if this number goes down to six and a half. 
It was at six and a half. It's moved to seven. Nonetheless, I'm going to back the Hornets, a high scoring team. Nets defense is bad. They're giving up about 119 points a game over their last dozen games. They have not played well defensively. Charlotte is a more than competent enough offense that can score. They're hundred percent healthy, uh, as healthy as they've been all year long. Again, minus Gordon Hayward, who has been out for months, but still, this is a Charlotte team. One of the highest scoring teams in the league. The Nets won't be able to slow them down. They'll keep this thing close. I think Brooklyn probably still wins the game at home, but uh, it's it, it's going to be close enough within seven that I can back the Charlotte Hornets here uh, with Brooklyn being on a back-to-back and possibly a little bit of tired legs. So give me the Hornets plus seven. Uh, two more picks to get to, and these are going to be on the ice. Uh, again, every now and then I like to throw out ice picks. I've had a lot of success this year uh, with first period overs and first period unders. Uh, these are great trends that you can follow. And if you if you read uh, uh, Matt Tooley on Tooley's takes, he's been spot on with a lot of these this year on the VEASAN website. Uh, Detroit on a back-to-back after a, a one-goal game last night against Tampa Bay. They are traveling to, to Pittsburgh to take on the Penguins. These are two of the lowest first period over teams in the league, meaning they get first period unders more than anybody. Pittsburgh, uh, 26, 30, and 39 to the first period uh, over this year, meaning 39 times the under has come in, and Detroit 35 and 30 to the under this year in the first period. I'll back that trend between the two of them, getting a good price there at uh, at plus 122. And then on the flip side, taking a first period over between the Avalanche and the Minnesota Wild. The Wild, the second highest first period over team in the league this year, uh, 43 and 20 to the first period over. That's over 65% of the time they're getting there. Now, uh, Colorado, not as great to the first period over, but certainly not terrible by any stretch. Um, they are 38 and 27 to the over this year. Colorado, well-rested. Minnesota on a back-to-back, which scares me a little bit from them, but Minnesota such a high-scoring offense that I have very little concern about them uh, finding the back of the net. I think both these teams can do it once in the first period. And again, it doesn't matter who scores the two goals, but uh, and when you're looking at a, a minus 150 price, 150, 152, uh, usually my threshold for first period overs is minus 160. If I'm at minus 160 or over or under, I should say, as far as what I have to pay, I'm willing to do it. That's typically where these prices are set. You're not really finding many first period overs in the 130 range, 120 range. Those are very, very odd unless they're two low scoring teams. And if that's the case, why not just play the first period under uh, and go in that direction? So, again, um, uh, it, it is the first period under between Detroit and Pittsburgh and the first period over between Minnesota and Colorado today for me on the ice. So uh, those are my picks for today. Uh, appreciate you guys uh, following and listening all all show long and all season long here throughout College Hoops. And before we wrap things up, I do want to say a quick uh, thank you and well wishes to our producer, Matt Neverett, who is uh, uh, producing his last show with me here on Point Spread Sunday. Uh, Matt, it's been great to work with you. Uh, one of those behind-the-scenes guys in our industry that never gets enough credit uh, going on to do bigger and better things. Certainly appreciate all the support and all the help uh, to get Point Spread Saturday and Point Spread Sunday on the air every weekend with me being remote here and to the entire team out there in Las Vegas. You guys are amazing, but uh, congratulations to Matt Neverett moving on. Uh, wishing you the best of luck going forward. Certainly been great to work with you. Make sure you stay in touch, and uh, I'll keep texting you when all my picks come in, uh, as I've done all all season long. Every time a, a, a pick we make cashes, I let Matt know about it via text, so we celebrate together. Best of luck. Certainly appreciate you uh, all your support here going forward. All right. 
That does it for me. Follow me on Twitter at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Best of luck with all of your picks for today. Enjoy the rest of the Elite Eight onto the Final Four. I'll be back next weekend doing it all over again. Thanks for watching and listening to Point Spread Sunday here on VEASAN, the sports betting network. Have a great day. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening.